Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get $10 off your next order of their delicious and nutritious protein bars. On tonight's show, we're going to be covering some NHL recap action, but we'll also have a little bit of prospect talk with Will Scouching, who you may recall was on this show earlier talking about some prospects, I think in uh, maybe March or May or so. It's been a while since we've last had him on, but we're happy to welcome him back on tonight's show, tomorrow's show, and Wednesday's show as part of a brief special series on NHL 2020 draft prospects that Winnipeg might be able to pluck at the 10th overall pick. We're just a few weeks out from that NHL draft action, so, you know, this is the time to start getting hyped and start getting excited about the potential new prospects that might roll into Winnipeg's pipeline. Before all that, however, I did want to address one particular thing to start us off, and that is the rumor about Patrick Liney and Nikolai Ehlers potentially being on the trade bait board, according to Frank Cervalli. As you can imagine, Winnipeg Jets Twitter was absolutely ablaze with the news, and I think most of us were kind of caught a little bit off guard in respects to either of these guys being available ahead of some of the other players on this team. I think that Patrick Liney and Nikolai Ehlers are both guys that you could consider, as far as wingers go, players that you could potentially build a roster around. Ehlers is your versatile, all-situations transition expert who can be a really effective 5v5 creator, and though he hasn't been given a whole lot of PK time, the time that he was given looked to be pretty effective. You know, he's, he's capable of killing penalties, he's capable of helping to distribute on the power play. Ehlers is just an all-around, all-situations threat, and one of the best wingers in the NHL, and, and really a pivotal piece of this Jets team, especially in, in creating offensive opportunities at even strength. If he were to depart, I think the Jets basically break down, because I don't know that there's any way that they could replace the sort of impact and kind of transition play that Ehlers brings to this team. You know, they don't really have guys like Nick just growing on trees. Ehlers is an incredibly gifted skater, he's very good on the puck, he has amazing stick handling, his vision is impeccable, his release is pretty good and he can get himself into really dangerous scoring areas, and he's signed to an extreme value deal the likes of which Winnipeg is not going to get many opportunities to have again. He's Winnipeg's best value contract aside from Mark Shifley, and I feel like it'd be really a shame if he ends up getting traded because the return would have to be something ridiculously good for me to even entertain the notion that he's going to be gone. Ehlers is kind of crucial to the way that this team plays and especially how that top six operates and I feel like if Nick is traded, Winnipeg might be signaling something closer to a rebuild than anything else. Suffice it to say, that part of the rumor was very distressing and it also was very distressing when I heard that Patrick Liney's name was also included in this trade rumor. Now here's the thing with Liney. I I can actually, in some capacity, at a very base paper level, uh, accept a Liney trade within reason and there are a couple of reasons for this. I think the first is that Liney is a very fun player with an extraordinary release and an amazing shot, especially on the power play. But, you know, he does have some limitations at the rest of his game that make him a little more one-dimensional than some of the other players. Now, I feel like all that said, his game has grown by leaps and bounds over the past couple of seasons. And the more he continues to develop, the more I think that his ceiling is much higher than people realize. I think Liney potentially has the ability to be a a really great two-way playmaker along with somebody who's a really gifted NHL scorer. And whether or not he he turns into that for Winnipeg is kind of a big question mark. The team has forced him to do more power-forwardy kind of stuff, and I feel like in some capacity that has helped him to develop his skills. He wasn't exactly successful at it last season, 
but he has shown tremendous improvement, and it's clear that he was working on things like his edge work, his neutral zone transitions, his puck carrying on offensive zone entries. I mean, there's just a lot of development to his game, and that, you know, is already married to a guy who I think has a surprisingly high hockey IQ. When you look at the way that he tries to set up plays and where his eyes are naturally gravitating, especially when he's looking for his line mates, I think Liney possesses very good spatial awareness, and he's also very good at picking out line mates to put them in better positions to score. The thing that will always hold him back, of course, is that, you know, he's not exactly the world's most graceful skater, and he's kind of a clunky package, especially in tight spaces along the walls. He is actually fairly physical, and he's not afraid to mix it up. You know, he's not somebody who shies away from physical contact, and he'll get into scrums when he feels like it, but... I think that the issue with him is that he still is a bit clunky handling the puck, and I think that that is something that may never improve with him. You know, I I love him to death, but that is one thing that he still hasn't really gotten around to as far as improving his mechanics. It's not really a deal-breaker by any stretch of the imagination, but it does in some capacity limit some of his capabilities, especially when he's being contested along the walls. What kind of bothers me about both of these guys being rumored as trade bait is that I look at Kyle Connor as the guy that I would move first. You know, I think Connor's value right now is severely inflated in part because he is a tremendous goal scorer. If you check out my post on Arctic Ice Hockey, which talks about Kyle Connor's uh, season so far in very brief form, I, I kind of say that he is a tremendous goal scorer. There's no doubt about that. As far as even strength offense is concerned, Kyle Connor doesn't really have many issues putting points on the board and putting a lot of points on the board. But the problem is is that he kind of has to have very specific conditions in order to be really successful. If you take him away from Mark Shifley, he kind of starts to look more like a potato. And the central issue here is that, you know, as, as talented as he is and as great of a finisher as he is, he has these tool sets, including these amazing edge work abilities and incredible stick handling, but then you see how he uses it, and there's something inefficient about the way that he skates around the offensive zone. If somebody else is not creating the space for him to poach goals, he suddenly seems a lot less effective. He's not really capable of being that space creator himself, and while I do think that he is fairly paid given the kind of offensive output he has, I also question whether or not his value is really there given how much of his defensive work continues to lack uh, compared to even guys like Lining. Connor is the kind of guy who will cheat to fly the zone and doesn't really physically engage in the defensive zone, nor does he provide himself as a particularly great outlet for his linemates if they need to make a defensive zone exit. I think that there are some things in his game that are just never going to change, and whether or not that's enough for people to say, well, maybe he needs to move on, is kind of a big question mark for me. Because of his contract and because of the uh, the current COVID situation and the number of teams that could use an extremely talented finisher like Kyle Connor, I feel like his trade value remains the highest. In the right situation, I think Connor would be a really good player in a better team, but I think with what the Jets need and what he brings, there's just a bit of a mismatch. Right now, Winnipeg needs a forward who can be a really good shooting percentage driver, but also somebody who is not a defensive sieve in his own end. I probably wouldn't talk about Kyle Connor so much if he wasn't as bad as he is in his own end. I mean, it's it's the kind of quality that, you know, makes you sort of gasp when you look at the expected goals against and see, especially like if you look at his, his scoring chance against heat map and what he's actually creating in the other end, it's, it's a bit of a mismatch. There's not enough that he's providing offensively to offset the amount of issues he has in his own end. Suffice it to say, if you're going to trade one of these three wingers, I'd rather it be Connor first, because I think that that's the guy you're going to get a best return for, and also somebody who I, I think is really needing a different kind of fit than what the Jets have. That was most of the big Winnipeg Jets news. As far as the rest of the NHL is concerned, in just a moment, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on between uh, Boston and Tampa Bay, which is actually still ongoing. 
as well as the early start to Colorado versus Dallas. But before then, I wanted to shout out Built Bar, which just relaunched with a new and improved recipe, improving upon their already great formula with a brand new revision and several new flavors. Six new flavors join the host of 12 originals, including Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's a chocolate-covered candy bar that's actually good for you. The interior is soft and chewy, the exterior is coated in dark chocolate, and they're just absolutely delicious. I've tried a number of their flavors, and I think one of my favorites continues to be raspberry, although I do have a soft spot for the mint brownie. The other cool thing about Built Bars is that they're actually very good for you, with most of them clocking in at 200 calories or less, around 5 grams of net carbs, and around 18 to 19 grams of protein. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, perfect for any keto diets, as well as for weight maintenance or weight loss programs. If you're interested, head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON where you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I also wanted to give a shout out to Your Story Transmedia, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and game publisher based in the Winnipeg area. For those of you who follow my personal Twitter, you know that I watch a lot of anime, play a number of different sports games, and tend to read some comics every now and then. But one thing that I definitely enjoy doing is patronizing local artists and publishers who are from my local area, which in this case is Baltimore. But you might be wondering if there's actually a Winnipeg publisher doing the same exact thing. That's where Your Story comes in. They're currently launching a line of comic books, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a detective noir series with supernatural elements, mixing elements of X-Files and Mad Men. The art style reminds me a lot of Sin City, so if you dig that kind of dark, gritty aesthetic, this is exactly the kind of thing you'll be interested in. There's a creeping sense of dread throughout the entire storyline, until you see the familiar sights of Portage and Maine. If you're into gaming, your story will also be launching their new fun-for-all-ages game called Alien Machine Glow in the near future. Alien Machine Glow focuses on Old Man Gil, a grumpy old man who, through the intervention of a well-placed meteorite that lands in his cucumber patch, gains the ability to see aliens. If you'd like to learn more about Alien Machine Glow and any of Your Story's other comic books and properties, head on over to yourstory.ca. You can purchase all of their ebooks and their limited edition, high-quality first printing run of their 85 by 11 magazine-style comics. Use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets show. We are actually just getting caught up with some of the ending of the Boston versus Tampa Bay game, and actually the Lightning have managed to secure a series win 4-1 against the Boston Bruins, though this one actually took double overtime. Uh, Boston ended up conceding in the waning stages of the second period, or I guess the second overtime period, to Victor Hedman, who just kind of slapped the puck in, you know, and there was a bit of a screen going. Halak didn't see it. Not a whole lot that you can do. And this was kind of a strange game because Tampa Bay, for the most part, wasn't particularly good, especially after the first few minutes. It really looked like Tampa Bay was going to close this one out early after, you know, they, they kind of came out of the uh, the gates really chomping at the bit. They generated like two or three high-danger scoring opportunities. Halak had to be really strong. And then you thought, well, you know, maybe Boston is, is going to be out of this. There was further credence to this thought because Andre Palat opened the scoring pretty early, just a few minutes in, putting the uh, lightning up one nothing. But then the Boston Bruins seemed to roar to life, which is something that we haven't been able to say much throughout most of the series. Pasternak got a, a nice power play goal to tie the game, and then you thought, wow, Boston is actually pretty lively. I felt like the Lightning sort of stepped off the gas, and defensively, they left a lot of gaps in space for uh, the Bruins to kind of exploit and get in between. This is not something that John Cooper particularly likes to see. I think he's more interested in keeping shots away from Vasilevsky 
any shots that they do allow, I think he wants stuff rebounded out to the sides and flanks so that their forwards can immediately grab the puck and then counter heading up the other way. Some of those sharp angle chances, though, for the Bruins were actually pretty dangerous shots, and I feel like it was just a matter of time before one of them eventually got through. As it often is with this team, though, you know, the Bruins didn't make it easy on themselves. In the third period, Sorelli ended up uh, scoring about midway through the period, and then, you know, you, you thought, wow, okay, maybe this is it. But, you know, the Bruins had been dominating most of the game. After the, the second period scoring, you know, you thought maybe this was uh, this was going to be it. That was all Boston was going to be able to do was one Pasternak goal. But with just a few minutes left in regulation, David Krejci ended up tying it on a, a bit of a scrambly goal, and Boston was still alive in the series just long enough to get to overtime before Tampa Bay plunged that dagger in and won, you know, 3-2 on a Victor, Victor Hedman shot. And I think that that's something that's going to be a bit of a frustration for Boston because I, I feel like at this stage, their team is aging out. You know, Zdeno Chara is probably retiring after this season. Marchand and Bergeron are only getting older. Tuka Rosk may be retiring. I mean, this is a squad that is definitely aged out and where there aren't that many immediate replacements in line to take these guys' place. For lack of a deeper phrase, it's a bit of a tough road. But speaking of tough roads, uh, the Dallas Stars have a serious comeback attempt that they're going to try to mount against the uh, Colorado Avalanche. They're in the waning minutes of the second period, but they're down 5-1. And this was a series in which Dallas, for the most part, has been able to kind of fluke their way through some really... I don't know, fortunate outcomes in games where I feel like some of their goal-scoring opportunities weren't really that good, but they managed to get on, on some really nice uh, lucky bounces and things like that. That didn't happen tonight. Dallas immediately got jumped on, and it, it was basically Colorado from puck drop. I mean, they, they owned that entire first period. They were up 5 nothing before the period was over. It was just a bit of a bloodbath. And, you know, regardless of what happens throughout the rest of this game, there's a pretty good chance that the Avs are going to maintain this lead. I say that, and the Avs have famously blown leads in this series already, but I feel like, you know, a 5-1 lead right now is probably pretty safe. Dallas is about to get a power play, but I don't think that that's going to really make much of a difference. You know, if, if Colorado blows this... At that point, you just might as well say, you know, they don't really deserve to advance to the next round. I doubt that's going to happen, but you never know. Weird things occur in these uh, in these postseason bubble playoff hockey stuff. So it's just a it's just a weird game and one of those that I think uh, Dallas is going to need to wipe from memory as soon as possible. They have an, another chance to clinch the series the day after tomorrow, and they really need to do it because if Colorado ties the series, I think the Stars are going to be in legitimate trouble. That will do it for our game recap coverage this evening. In a moment, we're going to bring on Will Scouching to talk about some hot prospects, actually one tonight in particular that I think you're going to want to hear about because he might just be available to the Winnipeg Jets at 10th overall. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you all are enjoying this next episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets show. I am joined tonight by Will Scouching, who I mentioned earlier in a previous couple of episodes I'd be having on to talk about a few NHL prospects for this upcoming draft. I know we're all kind of getting a little bit antsy thinking about who are the Jets going to pick. I was anticipating Winnipeg picking like 15th. Turns out we're actually going to get 10th overall, which is not winning first overall, but it's still pretty good. Uh, so, Will, thanks for coming on. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing great, Harrison. It's great to uh, to be back. Yeah, for those of you who don't know and haven't listened, we had some uh, earlier prospect discussions earlier, I think either this year. Oh, time is kind of irrelevant at this point. So forget, <laughs> a little bit. I forget if it was, I'm pretty sure it was earlier this year. Um, and we talked about some, some other prospects and stuff. Uh, so you can check out those episodes. It's probably several months ago at this point just yeah. because of how the, the calendar year has worked. Yes. Um, but 
tonight we're gonna we're time we're gonna focus on one prospect over the next three shows per evening and tonight's prospect is probably the one that i think um at least some of us are gravitating towards for this 10th overall pick anton lundell uh and the way that this will work is we'll have like two things that maybe suggest uh each prospect is a fit for the jets and two reasons why maybe this guy doesn't fit as well um so will Based on what you've been able to see, because you've done a lot of tracking of some of these prospects overseas, what do you think Lindell brings to the Jets potentially? So Anton Lindell, I think, is a guy who's been maligned quite a lot over the course of this season. He's he's one of these guys who isn't the most beautiful hockey player when you watch him play on the ice. Um, you know, he he's a bit clunky on his feet, but I think that the amount that people go at him for his skating I think is really sell it really sells him short and I think that he does get his way around the ice pretty well the thing about Anton Lindell that I really love is that he's a very mature you know solid two-way center you know there are certain things about his game that you can work on I think like the skill you know maybe some efficiencies in his skating over the next little while but the, the thing that I loved watching him uh, was just his positional awareness at five on five at both ends. Um, you know, he's a real solid offensive transition player. When you look at, you know, the fact that he's also playing against men in, in, in Finland, you know, one of the better shot differential players in the Finnish Liga last year, all year long. But in the games that I tracked, that didn't necessarily hold up as well. Uh, I when I track, I usually focus on playing against really, really good teams in those leagues. So that might have factored in, but I'm sure we can forgive uh, a, an 18 year old kid playing in a professional men's league in Finland. You know, maybe being a bit of a step behind the best teams in that league when he's 18 years old. Um, but what I did really like about him is just the maturity and positional awareness that he brings to the game. You know, he can kill penalties if he needs to, but he does have some offensive tools. Um, I don't expect him to be maybe as high octane a scorer in the NHL as maybe a Tim Stutzla or a Cole Perfetti or an Alexander Holtz or something. But I think where he's going to have an impact is just stabilizing his team's line. So, you know, whether it's defensemen using him as a, as a breakout conduit uh, or him, you know, jumping into a rush and, and participating offensively as sort of a trailing forward. I think that if you don't put too much sort of, you know, give the keys to the car to him kind of responsibility. I think he's going to be a great sort of complimentary player. I, I think maybe a really, really solid second line sort of two-way guy that can slot in um, and and chip in offensively. You know, everyone keeps bringing up Miko Koivu. There, I think there's a little bit of similarities there um, in terms of maybe a lower than expected production for a top 10 pick, but still being a very effective player, especially defensively. And you know, as long as I don't, as long as he's not your sort of number one center that you can rely on 20, 25 minutes a night, I, I think he could be a perfectly fine sort of middle six center that can protect your team in the defensive end and chip in offensively. Yeah, I think with where the Jets are, having somebody who is capable of, of being a play driver, even if it's not a high end offensive center, somebody who can at least bring a little bit of stability down the middle, that's something that we kind of need. We've had a, uh, bit of a panicky structure, especially on stuff like the PK and, and certainly at even strength, the Jets are, yeah, they're, the, they're, they're who they are at the stage. And uh, we all, <laughs> we're all kind of aware that Winnipeg is, is maybe lagging a little bit, but, you know, looking at what he brings, 
what were a couple of things that you thought you, you've touched on a couple of things that maybe people have, have mentioned are, are issues with them, but what other kind of shortcomings do you are, are a little bit of a, maybe a warning flag with him? I think the big thing that I recognized with him was there was, uh, I, I know off the top, I said he wasn't, you know, the most uh, beautiful hockey player that you've ever seen in your life. But I think the, the, the issue there, you know, part of it, I think is overblown, but where I think there is a legitimate issue is sort of that, that finesse to the game. Like I, I feel as though there's a lot of pucks that sort of just bounce off of his stick when he's receiving pucks. Uh, you know, he can make really quick passing decisions that might not be the best decisions all the time. Um, but that wasn't constant. It was just sort of once in a while, he might just want to just not face any pressure with the puck on his own stick and just give it to a line mate a little bit too quickly. Um, you know, just a little bit of that lack of puck control, you know, once he gets his feet moving, he could lose control of the puck there. Uh, you know, especially when he, you know, gets the puck on his own stick from a standing start and starts moving in a direction. I felt that there was a little bit of a lack of, you know, explosiveness from there. And then also the puck control on top was a bit of a step behind, but those are things to me that are just sort of fundamental skills that he'll work on as he grows older. I mean, I've seen him play preseason already this year, a little bit. Those, those are three on three games, but you do see a little bit more of that finesse coming into his game that he seems to be working on. Um, so I think that, Again, it just it's sort of I think if you're if the Jets are the team that picks Anton Lundell, I think it's going to be very important to realize that, you know, this is a, a more, you know, foot off the gas pedal type player. This isn't going to be a guy who is, you know, going to score 80 points a season, you know, like what every every fan of every team is looking for with a top 10 draft pick. But where his impact is going to be is positional awareness, uh, chipping in offensively, but the red flags for me that I find might hold him back is that puck control, settling pucks, and just playing that calm game in offensive in the offensive sense. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I don't see a tremendous amount that really spooks me about him. It's just, I, I think there's a really high floor of talent. I think the parts that are critiqued about him are a little bit over-critiqued, uh, but I also think that in terms of those fun sort of offensive tools that so many people are looking for, you know, they're not quite on the same level, at least for a, a, what I'm looking for in a center that that I think you might find elsewhere. Yeah, he struck me as kind of, in some ways, a little bit workmanlike and a bit meat and potatoes, which, you know, I, I know that some people, especially at a 10th overall pick, are probably thinking you want a little bit more explosiveness, but I think at this point, man, I, I'm just kind of hoping that the Jets get somebody who's like a reliable two-way transition player and somebody who can balance out the amount of wings that we have. Because we have like tons of attacking and talented wings who can skate like the wind and, and score tons of goals. Um, some of whom I am I, I love a little more than others. Mm -hmm. uh, and some guys who may not actually be around for much longer, depending on what happens this offseason. But overall, it sounds like Lindell would be a pretty pretty safe pick, generally speaking. So. Yeah. Take a little solace in that. Yeah. I mean, one last thing that I will mention about him is resiliency. I think, I think people get really hung up on, because of the NHL, the way that it is, people get really focused on, on fast and, and skilled players who, you know, make all the highlight reels and, and just play fast and can push play really quickly. And with Anton Lundell, I think there's a lot of players that I've tracked this year that I've noticed they're sort of the other side of the same coin. You know, it's, it's the reason why in all my videos, I, I have the move category as, as it's, as itself. And it's not just skating or speed or skill. It's all of those things put together. 
And a, another part of that category that I include is like resiliency on the puck. And I think what Anton Lindell does extremely well when he does have the puck on his own stick, he could be under a tremendous amount of pressure in any area of the ice with the puck on his own stick, you know, in a men's league. And one way or the other, find a way to move his body, move his puck, move the puck into open ice and at least get the puck off of his own stick to a line mate. And I think people might need to think a little bit more about how that can achieve the same results than as a player who is pushing that play positively with, you know, speed and skill and, and flash. It's a different way of doing it, but it's so quietly effective that, you know, that's where a lot of that productivity for him comes from. So, you know, if you're looking at his highlight reel or whatever and looking at his skating and critiquing his, you know, a bit of a clunkiness there, a bit of a, you know, I, I clunky is the word that keeps coming to mind. But then you look at him and how he behaves under pressure. I mean, he's a center, you know, even just if he loses a face-off or it's a 50-50 thing off of a face-off, he manages to get his way under the opponent and, you know, get get his stick on the puck. And, and that's something that I think will also help him a lot transition to North American hockey. We like those guys who don't quit on plays because we have some guys who have done that <laughs> occasionally. Don't like to point fingers, but we, we all know that every now and then when you're a little bit demoralized, things kind of snowball against you. But yes, for this evening, that's probably going to do it in terms of time. Before we uh, log off and hop off, did you have any social media, Patreon accounts or anything that you wanted to plug in particular? Yes, I have all of those things. Uh, I have, uh, you can find me on Patreon at uh, Scouching there. You get access to a whole bunch of stuff. You can get early access to my videos. Uh, there's a Discord server that's always tons of fun. Um, there's merchandise discounts, data sheets for for draft eligible prospects or players that have been drafted. There's just tons of stuff. So you can check out there if you want to you know support directly uh the other options there's merchandise on teespring um but also you can just follow me on twitter if you want to it's just twitter.com slash scouching thanks you so much for joining us will for this evening we'll have him back on tomorrow see you guys after the jump thanks so much for listening guys i hope you enjoyed tonight's episode and the interview with will before you log off be sure to check out the locked on national podcast hosted by sarah avampato thank you so much for listening have a great night and go jets go